And we're going to get into it. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 7. He starts out and he says, Dear friends. Just call me Fred. Someone just call me Fred. Okay, Nick, Nick, call me Fred. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Continuing. All right. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is a message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing, the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. John, he uses a lot of literary tactics when he's talking about love. And it, the reason he does so, and the vocabulary he uses, is because he's making a very serious point here. And he contrasts love with something, and that's hate. You know, and, and it's interesting that he does that. That's a very strong statement to make. Yeah. You either love them or you hate them. Because I think a lot of us at times can live in that gray area in between there, right? Well, I, I, I don't hate, I don't think I hate anybody, right? I'm not a hateful person. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty strong thing for me to have to say, I hate him. I don't hate him. John eliminates this gray area. He says, if you don't love them, you do hate them. And if you hate a brother or a sister, you are not in the light. You're still in the darkness. And we got to remember, these Gnostics, it was very, they were very divisive. They were very self-absorbed. They walked around like they were better than everybody else. They made people feel kind of garbage when they were around them. And so they were not loving. That's why John is going after them. He's saying, you want to know who's right, who's wrong, who's in the light, who's in the dark? Are they loving? And he gets into this more and more and more. And let's look in chapter 3, verse 11. And he, he digs into this point, this contrast, even more intensely. He says, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Wow. You, we've got to pick up on the message John is sending here. He is raising the standard of what it means to love one another. 
Right? And Jesus did the same thing. If you read in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, you've heard it said, don't murder anyone. That's the standard. Don't murder anyone. I say, don't even be angry with anyone. You've heard it said, love, you know, love one another. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, love your enemies. It's not a big deal if you love your best friends. Love the people that hate you. Jesus did that too. He raised the standard of what it meant to love one another. And John is repeating that. He's saying, guys, don't be like Cain. You need to love one another. That is a drastic contrast. You either love them or you're like Cain. Whoa. No, 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 John. I, I'm definitely not. I mean, I mean, Cain was a murderer. He murdered his brother. Ah, that's, that's a little too extreme. And John's saying, nope. If you don't love your brother or your sister, you hate your brother or sister. And if you hate someone, you're a murderer. And murderers go to hell. Gosh. Right? That just feels, gosh, right? It feels, he's raising the bar. He is raising the bar of what it means to love one another. Because we got to let that sink in. If you don't love your brother, you're a murderer, right? Like, oh my gosh. Um, love, he also addresses what love is here in verse 16 of 1 John 3. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So he sets this standard of love. You either love them or you hate them. And then he defines what love is. Because guys, loving is not talk. That's what he's getting at here. What good is it if you see your brother in need? Hey, man, I hope everything works out. But you don't actually follow through. Love is not talk. Loving someone is not good intentions. Loving someone is not hoping the best. He gives us what love is. This is what we know love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. That's love. Love is selfless sacrifice for the good of somebody else. That's love. And he uses this word. And you know a lot of us know, you know the word agape. You know in the Greek language. There were so many different words. For the word love. And most of them. If not all of them. They had a correlation to a feeling. Or an emotion. But Jesus comes on the scene. And he uses this word agape. Which basically just means selfless sacrifice for someone regardless of if they deserve it. Agape is not an emotional love. It's a choice. I love what Casey talked about in his communion message. It wasn't, you know, it's not just loving someone. It's not this skipping through the fields and cupcakes and rainbows and poems and... He's saying, no, I'm commanding you to be patient with each other. 
To not keep a record of wrongs. To not be selfish with each other. To not be prideful. Agape, it, it completely blew people's mind at what it meant to love. And Jesus said, guys, the new standard, the new definition of love is selflessly laying down your life for somebody else regardless of if they deserve it. That's love. We've got to understand what love is. Because remember, guys, what he's saying. You either love them or you hate them. You're either willing to lay down your life and selflessly sacrifice for them or you're a murderer. Right? Just so intense. But that's what John starts this whole test of love off with. He's setting the standard of what love is and he's defining it. What is love? Here's the perfect example. Jesus laid down his life for a bunch of people that didn't deserve it. That's love. Now, we ought to love one another. You want to know if you're in the fellowship or not? If you're in the light or in the dark? If you're in the right or in the wrong? Do you selflessly lay down your life for the well-being of others regardless of if they deserve it? That's the test. And that's the test that we, we all have got to take and ask ourselves. When people see me, do they see that? When they see our church, do they see that? You know, I love our church and how loving we are. When I look around the room, it is filled with selfless, sacrificial servants that constantly lay down their life for the well-beings of others. I think about, you know, we recently had the, the Hopkins had us over for dinner. And, uh, you know, we have a relationship with the, with the Hopkins. We haven't, we haven't spent a ton of time. And they, they brought us over for a second time. And they're like, guys, we just, you know, we didn't have anything planned. We just wanted to have you over. Just, we know there's a lot going on. You know, just wanted to be a friend. And we're looking there, and they had a, uh, a girl in their home that they had been fostering for a short period of time. You know, and we've got all the kids. Everybody's running around. All this. It's just, it's crazy. They still found the time, made the time, to selflessly sacrifice. Not just for us, but for so many of the kids they are constantly having in their home. That's love. You know what? I, you know... When somebody loves you like that, you can sometimes feel guilty. Like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I just, you, you need just, you know, let me make you dinner, right? <laughs> Whatever. But that's, that's love. Laying down your life selflessly, sacrificing, regardless of if they deserve it. I think about the Holtz, all the, I mean, what they're doing with the worship and helping out with the board and leading Bible talks. And it's just every single thing in the church, they're somehow involved. I could go on and on and on. I mean, the scales, you know, their house doubles as a church building, right? Uh, they just constantly have people over. Constantly. I think about our campus Bible talk leaders. Guys, in the, in the campus ministry, you have no idea the amount of sacrifice and effort that your Bible talk leaders go to. I mean, constantly. You know, I'm getting a phone call at 
midnight last night because they counted the cost with a guy, had Bibles. It's just, there's just constant sacrifice going on. We do so many events. We do so many incredible, fun, awesome things as a campus ministry, and it doesn't just happen out of thin air. There are people tirelessly sacrificing to make those things happen. I think about the Zigglers, everything that goes on with the kids minute. I mean, do you, you name it, right? You name it. Uh, I bet almost every person in this room has been over to their house for dinner. Okay. Is they just constantly, I try to get time. Hey Marlon, what's your week looking like? Well, I've got this person and this and Monday I'm doing this Tuesday, this Wednesday, we have this Thursday, this Friday. So maybe I could, you know, maybe like, you know, three weeks from now, right? It's just like, Oh my gosh, just constantly sacrificing. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. And that's what I'm so, I'm so proud of our church because it's filled with people that are constantly sacrificing selflessly and laying down their lives. And I think as a church that that's something that we need to continue to strive for and hold on to above everything else, but just as equal to everything else. We can't lose that selfless, sacrificial heart. We lay down our lives for the well-beings of others, whether they deserve it or not. In 1 John 4, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Amen. You know, one of the most hilarious aspects of having kids is you see things in them that you do that you never thought were hereditary, right? <laughs> like, O'Quins oh, are very particular creatures, okay? We are, we are creatures of habit, okay? I eat the same thing for breakfast every single morning. And if we are out, I'll rush to the store to get more and I'm just, it's, I'm, it's my routine. And if I don't do it, it throws me off, right? Uh, I have basically the same lunch every day. And at the end of it, I eat the same dark chocolate and oat granola bar every single time. And if I am traveling, I will carry boxes of those granola bars in my backpack so that I can end my lunch with that chocolate granola bar. Because it's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it provides a sense of security or I'm just controlling, whatever. I'm a very regimented creature, okay? And uh, it's so funny because there will be nights I'm walking down the hall to our room, and I'll quickly, very quickly, I'll see a door open up, something comes out, and then it's slammed. And I'm like, what? And it's like a shoe, or a dress, or a stuffed animal. And this happens, you know, almost nightly. And it's like, it took us a while, we're like, what is, what is going on? Like, we'd be going to bed at night, and then just randomly, it's just like, 
right? And you see like Moana comes flying down the hallway into the thing. What? And so I ask, we, we, like, Kaylee, why? Hey, stop, stop throwing stuff in the hallway. Keep it in there. No, it doesn't go there. What? So anything, when she goes to sleep, anything that doesn't go there gets thrown out into the hall. Whether it's clothes or toys or if Kylie comes. And I'm like, our daughter is crazy, right? She's just like, everything has to be, when we drive to school in the morning, if we take a different way because of traffic, hey, I thought we were going to Miss Sandra's this morning. We're like, oh, we are. We're just going a different way. Because we go this one way, and she always says the same thing when we pass the same stuff. We're driving by, and there's a park. Hey, Dad, remember when we played at that park that one time? It was really cold. Yeah, every, every, I'm not joking. Every single morning. And to, hey, hey, you go, and she'll ask to play the same song. And so it's this, it's this routine. And, you know, routines are good for kids, but it's just like, oh, my gosh, chill out. And then... And then I go downstairs, right? I have my office in our basement down there, and I see that there's a toy. And what do I do? I pick it up, I go in the girl's toy room, I throw it in there, I close it. Hey guys, stop messing around in my office. I don't want your stuff laying all over the place. I need it to be, and I'm like, oh my gosh. That's hereditary, how? How is that? How is that hereditary, right? Even little mannerisms, the way they yawn, or the, you know, whatever. You catch yourself doing something and you're like, oh my gosh. That, even that is inherited? But it's the same thing with love. Right? And this, what John's saying here is he's saying, guys, God is love. And people who are in his family love. Love is in the genetic makeup of Christians. It's something that we have inherited, not like naturally, but in the sense of if you spend time around children of God, you should see qualities that reflect or remind you of the Father. It's the same thing. When I'm hanging around, I love meeting all the college kids' families, right? People come in, I spend some time, I meet them, and I'm like, man, I can tell. I, you don't even need to tell me whose dad you are. I know whose dad you are, right? That's what it should be like as a church. When people walk in, when people spend time around us, they should, you're a Christian. I can just tell. Because the way you treat people, that is the exact way Jesus treated people. That is something of God. You're a member of the household of God. I can just tell from being around you. Love is in the genetics of Christians. And we see a parallel passage in John's Gospel account. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Love is in the DNA of disciples of Jesus. It's a defining characteristic of a disciple of Jesus. Amen. When people spend time around us, they should be able to tell whose child we are. Because of our love. Not because of the cupcakes and rainbows. Not because of the poems. Because of selfless sacrifice for the well-being of others. Amen? Amen? Yeah. You know, it's really cool, and he says this part in uh, 
chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. His love is made complete. It's really cool. Because if we want to get to know God in a deeper way, he says, love each other. We've never seen God. We've never hung out with God. But when we hang out with each other and we love one another, we get to go know God a little bit more. You know, I'm really excited. Jason is going to be getting baptized right after this, this sermon. Jason started coming out. Really, really interesting story. No knowledge of Christianity or any religion. Nothing. We got together to study the Bible, ask him some questions, and we're just like, I don't know what to do. Right? Uh, what... If I try to read a scripture to help you, you don't know what the Bible is. So this doesn't mean anything. And so we were sitting, getting advice, praying, figuring out what to do. We said, you know what? Why don't you just come around for a month or two and just observe? And then we'll follow up in a month. And if you have any questions, you can ask. And I remember talking with Nick. And we were like, man, we just need to pray that we're a loving campus ministry. Because what we're going to hope, we read the scripture. And we're like, we're just going to hope. He doesn't know anything about God. We're just going to hope that if he spends enough time around his kids, he'll, he'll see something and get to know him. And sure enough, we meet together, ask some questions, and it was so incredible seeing his heart start to soften and him start to be like, this is different than anything that I've ever seen. And he, it was almost like his relationship with God was growing by just hanging around God's children. And so this is the way that we're going to be evangelistic and reach the world, guys. When people get pulled into the family of God, they're going to get to know God because of the love of his children. Amen? And then he gets into this, this diagram got all jacked up. It was supposed to be a, another arrow, another circle, okay? But he gets into this thing. Uh, apple, apple, right? Apple. He gets into this thing about perfect love. And I want, I want to read it and explain it a little bit. 1 John 4, verse 16. It says, God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What is this perfect love thing? You know, this is a scripture that I have often heard misused and it's often misunderstood. I've heard it used for people to say God loves us perfectly and therefore we should not fear judgment. That's wrong. Uh, I've also heard dating couples use it like we love each other. We have perfect love and so we have no reason to fear. Right? It's just like, what are you talking about? There's no sense. So I want to explain a little bit about what this is saying. In verse 12, it says that love is made complete when we love one another. Now, this is something you've got to know. This is helpful for your Bible study. The word complete, perfect, and mature are the exact same word in the Greek language. Any scripture you read in the New Testament that uses the word complete, mature, or perfect, those words are all interchangeable. So it says, love is made complete when we love one another. Love is made perfect when we love one another. So perfect love is this 
What he's talking about is this, what I'm calling this cycle of love. He's saying, I have loved you. I've laid my life down for you. When you lay your life down for other people, you are completing that kind of cycle of love. So what is perfect love? It's this cycle of God has loved us and laid down his life for us. When we love others and lay down our lives for them, love is made complete. And that complete love, that perfect love drives out fear of judgment. So what's he saying here? Remember who, you're, who we're listening to. The church is trying to figure out, am I lost? Am I saved? Am I in the light? Am I in the dark? And he's saying, if you love others and lay your life down for other people, you have no reason to fear judgment. That's what he's saying. Because perfect love. God loves us. We love others. When love is made complete, you have no reason to fear judgment. And so he's putting it back on them. You want to know if you're in the light or in the dark? Do you lay down your life for the well-being of others regardless of if they deserve it? And if you do, you have no reason to fear. That's the test. That's the test of love. We've looked at the test of truth. What's the test of love? Guys, it's time for us to evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves, do I love other people? Do I lay down my life for the well-being of others regardless of if they deserve it? I think it would be great, our homework, is for us to spend time asking ourselves that question. When people spend time with me, would they define me as a loving person? Would they recognize that I'm a member of the family of God? And I think it'd be good to ask our disciples, ask people in our, in our lives, hey, do you think I'm a loving person? Not, not nice. <laughs> do you think I smile a lot? No, no, not smile a lot. Do you lay down your life sacrificially for the good of other people, even if they don't deserve it? That's the question. That's the test. You want to know if you're in the light or not? That's the test. That's what he gives them. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us to do that. And guys, here's the deal. Love has nothing to do with introvert or extrovert. It has nothing to do with that. It's just about selflessness. Extroverts aren't like naturally better at loving people because it still requires selflessness. And so it doesn't matter if you like people or not. Are you willing to be selfless and sacrifice for the well-being of other people? Amen? Amen. We're going to close in chapter 4, verse 19 through 21. It says, We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Guys, let's take some time. Let's look inwardly and ask ourselves, am I a loving person? Do I sacrifice selflessly for the well-being of others? And let's be a church that loves. Let's be a church that continues to sacrifice selflessly. Amen. And if we do, we're going to show the world who God is and more and more people will get to know him. I'm going to say a prayer and then I'm going to have the guys come up here and we're going to have a baptism. Oh, yeah. Before we close out.
God, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your family. God, I pray so much that we can live like children of you. God, that seeing the example of Jesus, that we would be willing to obey your command and lay down our lives for the good of others. God, we love you very much, but I pray that we can show it by how we love other people. I pray that when people walk into these doors, God, that when people are around us, that they would be able to tell that we are disciples of Jesus because of how we lay down our lives for others. God, we love you very much. We're very thankful for you. We're thankful for the opportunity to be children in your family. Thank you for how you have loved us. Give us the strength to do the same to others. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.